What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Scratch Agency Podcast, hosted by Scratch Agents for Scratch Agents. My name is Stephen Turnbull, founder of T5 Insurance Services in Utica, New York, joined by my co-host, Mr. Sean Fitzgerald, founder of LAF Advisors in Long Island, New York. We are going to get right into it today. We're in a New York state of mind. We're super excited to have someone that I've looked up for, uh, looked up to since about 2016 when I joined the industry. Uh, so this is a cool moment to have him on our podcast today, Sean. And, uh, you know, everybody knows and we want to dive into some great stuff, all the stuff he's done in the industry and starting a scratch agency. But we're super excited to welcome from the beautiful city of Albany, New York. I wanted to see his reaction there. <laughs> Mr. Ryan Hanley, who is the founder of Rogue Wrist. Ryan, thanks for joining us today. How are you? Yeah. Oh, dude, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I am smiling on the outside and dying on the inside because Albany is such a cesspool. But, um, but yeah, no, it's – hey, dude – glorious glorious time uh of the year for us we're getting 60s 70s 80s in in the springtime in upstate new york man we can't beat that so uh it's baseball's kicked off so it's it's a beautiful time to be alive my friends this is this is what it's all about i got a big announcement for you both that you're both appreciate on different sides of the aisle i am moving back to a mac i'm doing it i'm going i I appreciate that because of all the Wi-Fi issues you had on the PC. So, don't let those fascists push 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 PCs down your throat. I mean, I just whenever someone, whenever a carrier is like, "Oh, we only work with with you know IBM or PC based," I'm like, "So you're good with crappy products? So like, should I take into like should I associate the crappiness of like Microsoft and PC products with the crappiness of your insurance product? Is that what you're saying? They don't really usually like that." No, it's it's uh, there's one software that w we can leave the names out of it that I have to use the PC for. And I am more than fine to have two setups right now and go back to the Mac and have an easier. Sure. Yep. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so listen, Ryan, uh, you've been around the industry for a while, done different things, wore a lot of hats. You know, a lot of people uh, have heard about, you know, you I've listened to all your stuff. So. I think we want to just get right into it and, and uh, in respect of everybody's time. Why a scratch agency at the point that you started Rogue Wrist? I was sick of being fired, to be honest with you. Um, I'd had, I had a period of time between 2014 and 2019 where I was either explicitly fired or implicitly fired um, from four different jobs. And I, I just, you know there was a lot of self-reflection I had to do on that because as much as I would love to blame the other parties in all scenarios, it, you know, there's always a role that you played. And, and in some of those, you know, in, in a couple of those situations, to be honest with you, I feel very little responsibility. And in other ones, I feel like I, there was a lot of things I could have done better. And, you know, it really was, you know, me and my personality. And, um, but I had through all my career, uh, and, and anyone who, who knows me or has listened to the show knows that like when I engage my brain into something, I, I do not – I have to know as much of it as I can. Like I just want to know everything. And it's, and it's one of the things that has intrigued me so much about our business, uh, the insurance industry in general, is that while at face value it's boring and terrible and everyone hates it, um, underneath that surface, if you go scratch this a little deeper, as, as you guys know, and probably everyone here listening knows, there's so much to this business. So I was blessed when I, uh, to, to work eight years for a local independent insurance agency run in a very traditional manner, 
by an agency owner, uh, Jim Murray, my former father-in-law, um, now now ex-father-in-law, who he's an incredible operator, right? So I got this very traditional, but but also high quality education on like where we came from. I you know put fifty thousand miles on the car driving from strip plaza. Okay, so I got to learn that traditional side of the business and and know it cold, right? I'm reading policy forms and you know doing all this stuff. Okay, uh, uh, was was kind of asked to leave there to a certain extent and. Um, and join trustedchoice.com, where I got to, for whatever reason, be in rooms that I should not have been in, right, as a 31-year-old dick who had never run an agency or anything like that, right? Like, I got to sit in these rooms and listen to these masters of craft on the carrier side, on the vendor side, on the agency side, talk about what worked, what didn't work, their struggles, their, you know, the, the places where they found growth, the places where they found opportunity, you know, I just got to hear all these stories and I sit and I soak them up and I got to know these people and I, you know, and then the insure tech, we'll call it, they started, it started as a revolution, right? But that obviously didn't happen. So I got to see the battle, this, you know, this, the 2016, 2017 and all these, you know, MBA uh, 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 assholes who had done regression analysis and some master's course, you know, go, oh, insurance is a great place of opportunity. And these people obviously don't know what they're doing, right? So they come in with all these ideas and you see these two worlds clashing. And, you know, I was right there on the forefront of that and, and learned so much. And then went to Bold Penguin and got to learn, you know, not so much from the Bold Penguin people, uh, but from the from a lot of the companies that mixed or associated with Bold Penguin, a lot of these people were, were, were uh, companies that, that hated us, right? And again, I don't not that was never bold penguin as much as I didn't love working there. Uh, that was never their case. They, they were always a very pro agent organization, but just that, that upper echelon insure tech world, right. is probably what I'm talking about. There are tons and tons of players that just think we have to be removed. We're, we cost too much money. We're too slow. We don't know what we're doing. Okay. So all this experience, I had just been taking notes. What would I do differently here? How would you solve this problem? feels like there might be opportunity here. And that's where I came up with the concept of human optimized. And uh, when I was fired for the last time by the, by the fitness, uh, uh, fitness studio that I was a CEO of, which is a story for another day, um, I just said, it's time for me to take this agency that I have crafted, this kind of human optimized agency, and uh, it's time for me to see if I can build this. And that's where Rogue came from. So talk to me about the human optimized agency. What does that look like? So one of the things that I heard over and over and over and over and over and over and over again was the inefficiencies in our business, right? And and the cost associated with people and the time and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's not a new concern or gripe. Um, my belief is that we too often, particularly in the traditional side of our business, uh, apply value to activities that are value less. Um, let me give you an example. Um, I had an agent one time in a, in a keynote that I was doing, uh, raise his hand and make a comment. Cause I shared a similar thought to this, that, that, that his, his team processing certificates of insurance was a value driver for his clients. Now, <laughs> I think that's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. Our clients could care less who processes it, what processes it. They don't care if it's a robot. They don't care if it's a, you know, a guy named Steve who lives in Southwest India. They, they simply don't care. What they know is to get on the job, 
and to get paid, they need a COI. That's all they care about. So why do you have your most expensive asset being your 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 account managers? Why would you have a $60,000 a year account manager who should be working on heavy claim scenarios, who should be dealing with 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 clients who have real problems, uh, uh, coverage-related issues, something happened in their business, loss control, stuff like that. That's where they should be spending their time. They're, they have expertise and they have experience and you're paying them a lot of money. And then you have them wasting time to pump out a COI or to do a billing change. So the human-optimized idea was take the parts of the business where humans add the most value and maximize their time in those areas and either provide self-service, automation, or low-cost third-party outsourcing in the form of VAs or RPAs um, to uh, handle all the rest of those tasks. And then doing similar things on the sales side as well. You just answered my next question. I was going to ask you what that COI process looks like for you because I know you write a lot of small business. So I'm assuming you have maybe some sort of service email and VAs handle the certificates? Yep. Uh, right now, um, you can do self-service uh, or we have a um, – we have, it's it's technically I'd say it's a virtual employee. It's a, one specific woman in the, in the company and all she does is basically billing changes in COIs. So it's technically not a VA. She's a W-2 employee. But all she does all day long – um, she is also uh, uh, non-licensed, so you know, not as expensive. In this case, we're paying, we're actually paying her not much more than a full-blown like virtual assistant thing. Um, it's an entry-level job, but that's all she does all day. She just bam, 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 just she just cranks. So she's low cost. What? No, not in New York. Not in New York. No, not in New York. The beauty of, and again, this is one of the things that I think this is another place where I think about like human optimized. You know, people be like, it's so hard to hire. I'm like, well, yeah, if you're only hiring within 20 miles of where your agency is located, then yes, it is higher. But why can't someone who lives in Texas, if you could be a North Carolina only agency, but why can't a man or a woman in Texas be a service provider, be a service person or account manager for you living there? Like, I, there's no reason for that. Well, they don't know the area. That's BS. You know, there's just, that's a BS excuse. You don't want to have to manage a remote employee. Well, they don't know the markets. They could know the markets in three months. You're knowing the markets is not tough. Like these are just excuses because they're outside of the norm. If you expand, I, I found Florida is a particularly great place to find uh, employees because one, um, the Florida market is so brutal that they're currently throwing off a lot of employees because the agencies are struggling and agencies are doing, which is a shame. I don't, but you know, hey, it's capitalism. And two, um, if you can survive in Florida, you can survive just about anywhere in terms of like handling insurance. So I found we actually hire a lot of our account managers. Uh, I think three or four of our account managers actually live in the state of Florida. Interesting. I think one of the, at least in my eyes, one of the, the best things that I love about podcasting and just podcasting in general is the ability to to become relatable with that person that's telling the story, right? And the, the, that's the point why we do this podcast, Scratch Agency Podcast, so that people are out there, whether they're thinking of starting or they've just started, you know, they can listen to our stories and the people that we bring on. And, you know, I'm not sure if you run into this or not. I guess I'll just make the assumption that maybe people don't think that you struggled during the beginning of starting an agency because of the connections you have in your industry, how long you've been along around. And, you know, I'm just known from having one-on-one conversations with you that 
just like the rest of us, you bootstrap this thing, right? You know, you did get acquired and all those things, but you bootstrap this thing and you, you ate the shit sandwich like we all do. Can we let's dive into that? Talk to us about the the first the first moments of Rogue Wrist and and what it was like from the idea to the business to your first employee to all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're you're 100 right. So October sixth of 2019 at 8:36 a.m. Um, I have a termination letter passed across the table to me, um, saying that while I had hit all my targets and done a great job, my services were no longer needed. Basically. I grew that I grew metabolic too fast because uh, the business became profitable and fun again, and the, so the founder just booted me because I was as big as expense. So at that moment, I knew I needed. To, that was at the gym. Yeah, that was a gym. Metabolic was a gym. Yeah. So so I so I'm walking. You know, I'm shell shocked. I had no idea this was coming. By the way, uh, I'm walking through the parking lot. And this is where, this is where, you know, I, I have a tattoo on my forearm, faith over fear. Like, you know, I'm, a, I'm, uh, maybe unconditional, uh, untraditional, unconventional slightly in my relationship with God, but I'm a firm believer in kind of Judeo-Christian values and a lot of that stuff. So, you know, I think this is one of those moments where, um, being open to opportunity, you know, the universe provides because I'm walking through that parking lot and it was like, it was like, there was no other answer then I needed to go do, I didn't have the name Rogan in my mind at the, in the moment, but I needed to go do my own aids. It was like, there was no other answer. There, it wasn't like, ah, maybe I it was like, it is time, you know, one, because there was, there's a lot of haters out there who had written on countless blog posts, podcasts, and videos, you know, what has this guy ever done? You know, all this kind of stuff. So I had a chip on my shoulder of, I wanted to prove something. And two, I just believed in this model so strongly. So I'd, well, it cost me about $47,000 to get everything I needed together to launch the agency total. You know, that's kind of like, say, all in in the first six months or so, first three months or so um, was, you know, let's just call it, round it up to about 50000 bucks. So that was all bootstrap, own money. Uh, I got uh, Cincinnati and Hanover were my first two appointments. Um, technically, Hanover came in first, then Cincinnati, but those were my first two. Um, and... I was going to launch to be a digital middle market agency kind of using Mick Hunt and David Carruthers uh, uh, methodologies. There's slight nuance difference between the two of them. And actually, I think a hybrid is the my preferred method is a little bit of Mick and a little bit of David. They're, but they're both brilliant. So that was going to be what we were meeting. We were going to be this. I was going to – and I didn't want to go outside of New York. My goal was to basically take over the state of New York and middle market and just build a network of gangster killers throughout New York state and just dominate because we wouldn't have office space and we wouldn't have all this overhead. And that's how we were going to attack it. Well, I launched on March 9th of 2020, seven days later, um, uh, Mario Cuomo or sorry, Andrew Cuomo shuts down the state of New York because of the zombie apocalypse and all my plans, all the money, I had built flyers, you know, I'd done folders. I had everything I had done. I had these email campaigns set up. It was all geared towards middle market business. And that, and there was nothing, I mean, there was no way to get a hold of middle market business at that time. With no prior relationship coming in cold, there was nothing, nothing. So I turned to booze and marijuana and depression, um, anger, frustration, um, you know, all the classic, really productive things that help you get through a hard time. Um, and I went into a really deep, dark place, to be honest with you. I mean, I was fucking brutal. I mean, part of the reason that I'm, you know, uh, 
well, I shouldn't say part of the reason I'm divorced. I'm sure it didn't help, but um, you know, it just, it was a dark time. It was really tough. You know, I mean, I, I hold myself to a very high standard in the things that I do and to just feel so helpless. It just felt so helpless. You know, I felt like, oh my God, I've worked so hard for so long in my career and I'm ready to jump out on my own and do this thing. And I, I had so much energy and so many friends, like it, it, some people are right that I did a lot. I have built up this amazing network of people who are willing to help me and support me and give me guidance. And I was able to sidestep some obstacles because I know those things and not everyone does it's, which is part of why I do the podcast and why I love that you guys do this podcast to help people do that. So I was very blessed, but, and so now I feel like at one time I'm letting myself down. I'm letting my family down. I'm letting all these amazing friends and mentors and peers who've helped me down. I'm letting the people who I've signed contracts with at carriers, not that I care too much about that, but you know, you're letting the, you know, you'd make commitments to people. I'm letting them down. I'm like, and it just, and, the, and, it, and it was not, it wasn't like I just wasn't doing the work. There was nothing to be done. And, uh, and I, you know, probably the deepest, darkest hole I've ever gone in emotionally um, was during that time. Uh, around May, you know, so that, so for two months, I'm just a fucking mess. I'm working 18 hours a day. I'm miserable. You know, at night I'm pounding beers and, you know, just, just trying to freaking survive. Right. Cause, cause I didn't know what to do. And then in May, I signed my first account, um, which, you know, that didn't feel like it was ever going to happen, but it did, uh, which was nice. And then, uh, signed a couple more. And then in August, life, you know, everyone probably remembers life started to pick up a little bit. Um, you know, you couldn't even go to the gym at the, until then. And, and then things started to happen. And, um, and, and the reason was because around, around May, I looked at what was going on and I just said, I have to pivot this. So I pivoted hard into small business. I had no plans on doing the YouTube stuff, the, the SEO stuff that I do. Like that was all pegged for down the line. I just took all that front loaded it and went to town because I had to stay alive and I had to go broad and I had to become a generalist and I had to do all this digital stuff and I had to buy licenses in other states because I couldn't, I didn't have the, I didn't have the um, runway to give up leads. If a lead came in, I needed to write it. I needed the revenue. And if it cost me $300 to get a license in that state to write that account, it was worth it to me. And so I went way too broad, way too early from like if a consultant was, but I, it was just survival. So that first year was just survival, survival, survival. Hired my first employee the following year in February. So a little less than a year, I hired my first employee. Uh, she's now our head of operations. She's tremendous, just had a baby. Um, and, uh, and, and we got through and then we fought a little more and we got through, but dude, the whole time I'm playing shell games of money. I'm putting payroll on my credit card and then trying to do this and move money around here. And it was all just shell games with money, trying to keep the lights on, keep people paid. You know, I would go, I'd go a month or two without paying a vendor to get payroll paid and then try to make it back up. And it was, you know, and you're just, you do what you have to do to survive. And, um, you know, I, it was terrible. It was terrible. I mean, there was nothing fun about it. It wasn't rewarding. It wasn't, and, and it, it now is, it became that, but at first it was just, it was just freaking survival, man. Yeah. I don't think people, if you're not from New York, especially like near like the, uh, five borough area, I mean, it was a complete ghost town during that time. I tell the story all the time. Like 
my best friend lives downtown, I would take the train in, hop on a city bike, and be just riding down the middle of the street. No cars, no people walking on the sidewalk in Manhattan. Like, that's how dead it was. Um, so, man, what, that's that's a crazy story. So, what, what's the – and I can relate a little bit um, because I opened in, like, February 24th, I think, was of 2020. So, just a few, a few weeks before you. Um, yeah, it was crazy, but I had, I had a little personal line, so it kind of helped me out through that time. But what, what was the turning point for you? So you wrote that, you wrote that first account and then you got another couple more and then we were just scraping by, scraping by. I finally, um, so I hired my first employee that really helped that allowed me to get out from under some of the stuff that was, I could go out and market a little more. Um, around that time was about a year, uh, of, or about six, sorry, it was about six months of doing the YouTube channel. And six month mark on YouTube is a good indicator of when you start to, if you're being consistent, you start to get, you know, so we started to see a jump there, started to get some more consistent leads. Um, and then I hired my first service person because even though, uh, the woman I hired first, Sarah was supposed to be service. It was immediately obvious to me that she was not meant to be a service person. Um, not in a negative way. It just wasn't her calling. So we hired our first, you know, kind of, uh, service person who had, had had some experience. Her name is Leslie. She's now our head of training and agency development. And then that was a little jump because now I'm out from under service and I got this little team and, and, um, and, and we just kind of plotted along, um, always with, with a big vision. And, and I, I started doing math, um, on what we needed to get out. I, I'm, I don't have patience. I don't have a lot of patience. I know patience is supposed to be a virtue. I know I'm supposed to nurture that. I've kind of at 42 years old, I feel like I've hit a point where I don't, I don't need to, I'm not, it's over. It's not, I'm not going to have it. It's just not going to happen for me. Um, patient and thoughtful will probably not be two words that are like written on my gravestone. Um, that, you know, hopefully, hopefully, uh, uh, people will forgive me for that. But, uh, so, so I started doing the math on what it would take to get to where I wanted to be. And I realized that, in a best case scenario, we were a decade away from where I wanted to be. So starting in 2021, August of 2021, I started doing venture venture meetings. I started taking venture meetings. I took I did 57 venture capital meetings because um, I needed cash to grow. I went over 57, mostly because I wasn't creating a proprietary tech. If I could do it all again, there is proprietary tech that I do think is necessary to be successful. Um, I wish that I was ready to talk about what I wanted to do then because I would have gotten the money. They literally said, we love everything about you, the business, the model, the industry. We love everything about it, but you're not building anything proprietary. So we have to value you X EBITDA instead of X revenue. And therefore we're not interested. That was, that was 57 for 57, the feedback. And I just was not ready at the time to scope out, map out and explain my thoughts around the technology that I think is necessary to grow at scale in a digital ecosystem. So, um, so I, that's happened. So now I'm back into depression mode because I'm like, I'm going to can be, I don't want to work in a little tiny agency for a decade. I, I, this is not about me. It's not about rogue. This isn't an ego thing. This is like, I have a vision for where I want this to go and I want to get it there. Like, I just want to be able to someday say, this is, I want to know how good I can be. That's probably the best way to put it. I don't have to own the thing. I don't have to make the absolute max possible out of the thing that I build. I honestly wake up every day 
and say to my, and, and ask myself, like, I want to know what the max for me is. Like, what is the max ability that I have so that when I do die, I can look back and say, hey, you know, I don't care. Money's not a big driver of motivation for me, even though I do love money. Um, but it's more like, I want to know this is as good. I was as good as I could be. Whatever that is. Maybe it's not good enough to be this or that. I don't really care. I just want to hit that point. So, um, so I'm in a deep, dark hole again. Uh, cause now I'm like, fuck, I'm never going to have money. It's going to take me forever to grow this business. I'm bored. I want, you know, I want to be at the, you know, I want to be running this. I want to be running a growing agency. I'm a wartime general. That's what I am. You, you do not bring me in if things are going well. You don't do that. That's not where you want me because I'll fuck it up. You want when things are shitty or they're scared or fearful or you want to fucking grow, that's where you bring me in. So, dude, again, the universe provides, um, you know, you can thank God or you can thank whoever your particular person is, um, although they're all probably the same person. Um, the I show up at in Arizona for a makeup speaking event for Dan Skinner and the SIA chapter of, of Arizona, uh, Southwest, whatever it is. Um, good, good, really good people. Um, I was supposed to do it for pre COVID COVID happened. We had to cancel. So this was the event was back on and this is, uh, October and I go and Matt Masiello is there and I've known Matt for probably about a decade, shake his hand. Uh, you know, we're talking, rapping a little bit about the business. I really like the way he thinks, thinks about the business. So we're just talking uh, he does his, he's um, talking about uh, 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 the new SIA kind of post him acquiring the business from his dad and what it looks like. So he's kind of doing that tour and I had the keynote slot. So I watch him. Cool. He stays, watches me. We talk a little bit more. Don't think anything of it. Um, after I speak, I usually need a drink. Um, so I usually, because I'm, I'm kind of an introvert in general. So like when I'm done speaking, I want to be either alone or with a very small group and I want to like get a beer or whatever. And I just want to sit by myself and like decompress. So I'm doing that, uh, at the hotel bar. Um, and Matt walks up, you know, this is a few hours later now. Matt walks up and says, Hey, can I have a beer with you? You never say no to a CEO asking you to have a beer. That's just a life thing. So I say, yes. So we start rapping and first it's bullshit. And then, you know, you get a few in, you start solving all the world's problems. And that's what we started doing. And one of the problems that he brought up, I said to myself, well, what if you did have that thing? And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, that thing you just described, that's a big part of Rogue's mission. So what if you did have that thing? And he kind of cocks his head and we start, so we start going down that path. What could that look like? You know, but we got like six or seven beers in us at this point. So we're, rah, 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 you know what I mean? You can solve all the problems at that point. Solve all the problems. Yeah. But you know, you think to yourself, how many, I probably had thousands of those conversations and they never go anywhere. Right. So whatever, shake hands, bro hug, you know, whatever. Hey, great to see you. Off I go. I don't think anything of it. Cause I just figure it's a conversation that we had and whatever. And then, uh, that was on a Friday. On the following Wednesday, he sent me an email and he said, hey, man, uh, I can't stop thinking about what we talked about. Can we do that sober? I said, yes. And then um, the rest is history that we, you know, we just kept, we talked and talked and I met more people and, and um, I could really see how uh, uh, partnering with them or, you know, ultimately being acquired by them made a tremendous amount of sense for us and rapidly took, say, a 10-year plan and moved it up to about a five-year plan. And um, that was very attractive to me. So, 
That's awesome, man. Man, that's a crazy story. Talk, talk to me because something I, I really wanted to touch on uh, with you, and there, there was a lot there, but I, I want to, for the sake of time, touch on this one topic um, before I forget. You mentioned YouTube and generating leads from YouTube and you know the six months and being consistent with it. Rogue risk before you, you sell to SIA, what is that? What does your makeup of your agency look like? Like what percentage of your leads and business are from, are from YouTube leads? If you had to guess. Pre-SIA, 80% from YouTube. Post-SIA, probably 50%, but that's not because the leads have gone down. It's just because we've added so many other sources. Yeah. I mean, I've been telling people to do this for 12 years. So at this point, if you're not creating videos on YouTube, you're you're purposefully choosing to not maximize your inbound lead generation. Yeah, and di dive, dive deep with me here. So you create a video on YouTube. Is this all organic? Do you have any paid behind it? No, all, all organic. Okay. And do you have like a plan mapped out? Like I'm doing three a week, four a week, five a week. So when I started, I was doing one every single day for a month, um, even Saturdays and Sundays. That's how I launched every single day. That kind of captures the attention of the algorithm. So, you know, people, the problem is people tend to think very first order when it comes to this kind of stuff. You gotta think like, what is YouTube's goal? They want you to maximize time on site, right? So how do you do that? Feed them answers to simple questions that people are coming to their platform and giving them. So like when people are like, I don't know what to talk about. I'm one, it's hard for me not to think that they're not trying very hard and they're just looking for an easy answer, which makes me think that they're lazy, which makes me not want to give them the answer. Because what should I talk about is like the easiest part of this. But there are all kinds of ways to figure it out. I'll tell you what I'm using now. I use ChatGPT now. I think ChatGPT4 is one of the greatest. We, we are in a moment where if you are willing to get, if you're willing to learn ChatGPT, which takes 15 minutes tops, or you're willing to put aside any ideological issues with something like AI. I created last night two months worth of LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter posts that are now scheduled out in about 45 minutes. Um, I wrote, I created five blog posts in 45 minutes the night before. Um, I, I, I have them give me, uh, talk to me about the best, uh, uh, the best ideas, unconventional ideas. There's all these prompts, but there's, un and I'll share a resource that I have with you guys later. All you listeners can eat it. But, um, you know, these, uh, there's, there's these prompts that you can, that you can feed the engines and they'll, they'll just give you ideas on things to talk about. Give me the 10, 10 unconventional ideas for YouTube shorts associated with workers comp insurance. Take this angle, take this angle, take this angle, take this angle. It's literally right in front of you. All you have to do is pick up the phone and talk right? And shorts are an amazing way to drive traffic, to drive subscribers, to drive likes, to drive attention. Like I, I just, now look, I'm a marketing guy, but this shit doesn't, isn't like it's, it's not easy to me. I've just been doing it since 2007. Like, in fact, it's a pain in the ass. Like, I think people think that this is somehow like, I love, I don't love creating 45 second mini videos on fucking insurance. I don't love that. That's not my favorite thing in the world. There's like a million other things I'd rather be doing in life than that. However, it drives revenue to my business. So to me, that's what you do. 
I feel like, you know, actually, everyone who's listening to this, don't get involved in YouTube. Just keep doing what you're doing. Don't get on there. I don't want the competition. Just don't do it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I promise you. I'm making all this up. It's all made up. Yeah, you guys are you guys have been right for a decade. I've made all of it up. None of it actually works. Go back to doing what you're doing. <laughs> that's no, it uh yeah, that that's and dude and I have a simple template that I use for long form videos and you just you just templateize shit. Like that's what makes it easy. It's just a list of 10 topics, a templated format, pound it out, batch 10 of them, push them out into the world, you know, schedule them all out, then couple week later, do more, schedule them all out. And then it just, it's just a self, it's just a self-fulfilling machine. It just, just works. And the leads you were getting from, from YouTube, I'm curious about this. I would imagine they're not, obviously not all from New York. They must've been from all over the place. So how did you know, like, what was the competitive market in like those other states, just trial and error? Yeah, this is another thing that we completely conflate as insurance agents. Like, you don't know the markets. Well, I have Hartford Travelers, Nationwide, Hanover, Chubb, Liberty Mutual. Like, who do I not, who do, what do I not, what do I need to know? Their portals basically allow me, like, guide me through any requirements that they necessarily have. And the few states that have funky shit, you just learn it. So, like, you know, granted, if you have some super secret mutual market that's only in your state that has a super niche, that's amazing. But I'll tell you, 75% of the time, I can beat you with my nationals. And then I have Cincinnati and Acadia um, as well. So I do have two super regional kind of, you know, more like uh, uh, custom paper type type carriers, which help us a lot. So, you know, I, I just think we conflate all this shit, dude. We make it so much harder than it needs to be. You're writing insurance. Like, do a good job for your customers. Make sure they're protected. Don't be a purist. I just... You know, I will eat a purist lunch all day. Now, granted, they'll go, well, my personal book is, that's fine. You're trying to build a personal book. I'm trying to take over the fucking world. Like, I, you know, I want people to write stories about what we do at Rogue, like sing songs. Like, there should be, there should be like, like, like sea shanties written about, right, what, isn't that what they're called? Like, that's what I want, like, you know, and... So you can do your personal book optimization shit all you want. I think that's wonderful. It's just not the game that I'm playing. This is not. It's a different game. Past, past the AI stuff that we talked about in chat, GBT and all that, that the the base level, right, of people that are now figuring it out or whatever and all that good stuff. What what do you think is the future with that? I think that I think humans will not be required in the purchase of an of personal lines insurance outside of private client. And I don't think that you'll need a human to write anything that isn't ENS under 10,000 in premium within the next five years. Now, will there still be people to do it? Sure. But will it be necessary? No. It's just the, the market is changing. The clientele is changing. You have a whole new generation that's coming in and buying new stuff that lives on their phones and apps. Um, there and, and here's the deal. Don't watch what they do, watch who they trust. Okay. So to me, you know, my kids, you know, they watch, um, shit. There's this guy that plays video games that they watch and like that dude could tell him to do anything. You know, I, I don't know. Who, uh, yeah. I don't know who he is, you know, uh, Preston something. 
right? He, he plays Minecraft and they watch him play Minecraft and, you know, you know, whatever he's, so they trust this dude. They never met him. They never will meet him. He's only on YouTube. Yet, if he recommends they play this new version of some game, they got to go get the game. They got to go get that version. Like, they, you know, they lose their mind. So I look at that and I say, okay, you know, where is trust? Well, the reason that traditional agents have survived so long doing it the way they do is because for, you know, and still today, people trust these in-person relationships, right? You breathe the same air, you see each other, you go to the same country club or whatever, uh, same church, and you build trust. But I will tell you from three years of firsthand experience that that is changing, right? We're about to write a 365 $355,000 premium account. We will never meet these people in person and we've never been to their location. $650,000 in premium. Came in via online lead. Now he's going to be a client. It's a great client. No, you know. So don't tell me that you have to be in person. You don't, right? I've met two of our clients, two in three years in person. Two clients, two. One of them's a, one of them's a good friend. Right. I mean, that's 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 the, the wildest thing and I've talked about on this podcast all the time from my past life at the family agency to now. I've met one client and it was like two weeks ago because they just wanted to come in and review something in the last 11 months of starting T5. Complete opposite of how my family does business and, you know, in the present and in the past, both great successful ways. Right. But going going forward, you got to you got to change it. It's not where the puck's going. So again, you guys keep taking your in-person meetings. Please, please keep doing it. Don't do video proposals. Don't use text message. Don't, don't do it. Doesn't work. None of that stuff works. You just keep doing your in-person meetings because that'll just give us more space. Since, since I opened, I think I've maybe met with, like you said, Ryan, probably one or two business owners. Prior to this opening this agency, I would sit down with every single business owner, $2,000 garage premium. I'm, I'm going to meet the owner at his shop. It's yeah, it's, it's crazy. So the, one of the top level metrics, one of the most important metrics that we track is one call closes. And I've been talking a lot about in my keynotes about it. And I've been talking about uh, podcasts and different resources. And I have findingpeak.com where I, you know, talk about peak performance and, and some of this like more detailed shit. Because uh, I honestly believe we we also get a little too hung up on the technical insurance stuff. We don't talk about mental health. We don't talk about physical health. We don't talk about relational health. These things are all really important. I mean, on the same day that I sold Rogue to SIA, I also signed my divorce papers and signed the lease on a new apartment. So, you know, I wish that I had a better – I wish I had started working – now, I've done a lot of work since like 27, 2018 on my mental, but I was not mentally prepared for that day to, 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 to just have three enormous life changes. You know, I had been kicked out of my house. Uh, I'm now divorcing my wife, and, which is terrible, and, uh, and, and signing away this business that was, that was, you know, my baby up until that moment. Now, granted, I'm very happy with the move, but there's something, there's an emotional reaction to, you know – you know, whatever. So like, I think, you know, the reason I created Finding Peak and the, and the reason I like to talk about this stuff, it, you know, some people call it squishy. Some people call it soft, soft skill stuff or whatever. They want to get into tactics. And I'm like, look, 
we can talk about YouTube marketing tactics. I, I'll tell you know I tell you guys absolutely every secret that I have. I don't care. The issue is, are you going to be able to emotionally handle when one of your best employees leaves and starts their own agency? Right? Because that shit's going to put you into the bottle or drugs or women or gambling or whatever dark, crazy shit place you go when bad stuff happens. If you're not emotionally prepared and emotionally capable, then you, that's gonna what's going to derail you, not that employee, right? If you're If you're physically, emotionally, and relationally sound in your life and, and whatever shape that takes, then when that employee comes to you, yeah, it sucks. You know, maybe maybe you vent for a little bit to a mentor, to a friend, but then you put a freaking ad back out and you go find another person to do the job and you keep chugging along because you're secure. And what I find is, um, I think we forget about all this stuff and then something happens and the conversation is, well, how do we keep them? And what did you do wrong? And it's like, man. Life happens. Have the emotional, physical, and relational abilities to, to deal with these changes, and everything's going to be fine. And that is what this last year has taught me. The first two years were just grinding, and it was it was brutal. We were we were we were a mess in certain areas. We made every mistake possible, you know, whatever. But when all the shit went down in my personal life, and I was really forced to look in the mirror, think about myself not just as a husband and no longer thinking about myself as a father, what that meant, new look. And now being a part of SIA, I had to think of myself as not just the owner of a business, but as a leader of both this organization, Rogue, and as a part of the leadership team of this, you know, 280 person organization that manages 5,000 network agencies, right? So like it really forced me to to look and, and start to realize, geez, there's something wrong with you the way your brain works, man, like you don't communicate very well and come to find out I have ADHD. So that's, that's been a good revelation because it's allowed me to learn how to deal with that. Right. Um, you don't have patience, right? Like I don't have patience. Patience is not, we talked about that. Like, okay, what do you need to do? Go find someone who does have patience, who, who is a little methodical, who can be a little bit of a governor to you when you get out over your skis, find that person, hire them. Right. So like, these are the kind of things that I think are way more important to our success that I'm sitting here today, three years in, right? That that are a little more, that are way more important to our success than the tactics of YouTube marketing or whatever. Now, I love that stuff too. I mean, that stuff can be fun to talk about. Don't get me wrong. But if you don't have that other shit in place, then you're basically sitting on a ticking time bomb because the first bad thing that happens, you're going to go off the rails and it's going to get even worse. And, um, I did not have that. I don't want, this is not like I've known this forever. This is uh, the last 12, 15 months of my life. I've really figured that out. You know, that, that's a, I mean, that's an amazing point. And honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like I need to do a better job of talking about it on this podcast because I mean, fitness is a huge part of my life. I mean, every morning I get a workout in and I remember people telling me, Sean, when you have your first baby, there's no way you're going to be able to continue to work out. And I swear, maybe the first you know few weeks was tough, but after that, I made it a priority because I, I don't know. I know I see you working out all the time, Ryan. Like I feel like complete shit if I do not work out. It's it sounds kind of stupid, but like that's just I'm like sluggish throughout the day. I don't have a lot of energy. My confidence is kind of down. But when I work, when I get a good solid workout in and a, a good sweat, I feel like I can take over the world. Look, I. Your health is a competitive advantage in business, right? I, it absolutely is. When I sit down at a business meeting 
or I know I'm negotiating against somebody or negotiating with someone who is out of shape. I'll be honest with you, part of my goal is to be, I will amp my energy up even higher because I know they're not gonna be able to keep up. Like that's a negotiation tactic that I use, right? I'm gonna be high energy, fast talking, I'm gonna jump around in my conversation a lot and 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 the what they're gonna see is they're gonna be they're gonna feel like, ah, you know, this guy's kind of hyperactive, he's whatever. But what I'm really doing is I'm just wearing them down. I'm just making their brain cycle faster than they want to or is capable of because they just ate four donuts or they had 17 glasses of alcohol the night before. Now look, I love booze too, but you know, whatever. Um, you know, and and so that's that's what it is, is it's just it's physical and mental stamina is 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 and then and then when you come up against someone who's a real competitor who's like a real mental challenge, you're up for the challenge, right? You you can rise to that occasion and and operate on their plane where you know, if you're not doing the work, you know, I think working out, seeing my counselor, those two things, those two things are I will never give them up. I go see a counselor every other week even if there's nothing wrong, right? I mean, just just some days we just talk philosophy. Right. It's just, and then some days I'm like, Hey, I said this thing, you know, or, or somebody said X to me and I responded Y and I really didn't like that. You know, how do we, what's a better strategy? And, um, that kind of work is the kind of work that you don't see every day. Like you don't see it. You don't see like every day an improvement, but man, you pop your head up six months, 12 months, 18 months down the road. And you look at who you are and, um, you feel so much more confident. You know, you feel like, Hey, I can take on the world here. Well, it's so funny because we talk a lot on this podcast about building the foundation in your agency, building those processes when it's just you, building, doing the right things, taking the time to do all these things. And it's the same exact thing when you're when you're looking at yourself. You know, if you're not taking care of yourself, you, I mean, the old saying, you can't pour from an empty glass. Like, it's exactly true. Um, so, I, Hanley, I appreciate you sharing all that because, like I said, I can remember back of being at my family agency and listening to your stuff and listening to other podcasts and feeling stuck. And it was something that, that, that you said or someone else that had a podcast said that I feel like I could relate to is what told me I could do this. I can, I can do this. So, you know, you really opened up there and I really appreciate it. Uh, as we look to wrap it up, um, I'm, I'm really interested in your answer here because I, I know how many different ways it could go. But we always ask this question at the end. If you were to wake up tomorrow morning, start from zero. Start a scratch agency over tomorrow. What would you do differently or just in general, what would you do from day one? I'd start over, I would raise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what I would do is I would go out, I would raise approximately $100,000 and I would go hire uh, one other licensed service-oriented person. And then we would start, I would build an entire agency that just funneled business to carrier call centers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would I I would never touch another piece of business internal ever again. And and here's why. I can I, we currently work with three carrier call centers. Uh on average their close ratio is 30%, which is on par or way higher than most independent agents, and the cost of service is somewhere between 2 and a half and 1%. So let's take Hanover for instance. If you're a Hanover agent and you get to a million dollars in premium inside their sales center, they will service that book of business for one point. Now, if you're an agency owner and you do a little back of napkin to math on for every million in premium that you have in your agency, what the cost is to you versus 10,000 with Hanover, uh, and Hanover has consistently had 
um, somewhere between a 91 and 93% retention rate. So, and we're just talking commercial here, by the way. If you take those metrics and you do the math, you are a moron for hiring a human inside your agency, paying them 65,000 and having them handle COIs and billing changes. That, that is that's absolutely insane. And what I think the future of the independent insurance industry is, in my opinion, um, is, uh, you, you know, you're going to, we're going to start, we're going to start bifurcating our business to the buying behavior of consumers, not on industry. I don't today, I don't care really. There's just a few classes of business we don't write like towing. We don't write towing, but like we'll write basically anything. We're a master generalist. Um, but what I need, what I want is people who think and desire a certain type of customer experience. So that's what we build for. And to me, there's an amazing opportunity to arbitrage um, leads to carrier call centers. You can use some AI tools like chat. I mean, you can basically piece together today three or four uh, uh, AI tools, uh, uh, you know, and I think you'd need myself and one other person. And we could basically just fucking dominate the game and never touch a piece of business ever. Just funnel leads right to carrier call centers based on appetite and uh, grow a massive book that, you know, has almost no cost. That's what I would do. That's going to be a whole other podcast. We're going to have to do that. Hanley, uh, tell them about Founding Peak quickly, the podcast. Just mention that stuff if they want to listen or get in touch with you. One, guys, I, I think it's amazing what you're doing here. I think the show is amazing. Um you know, I think that you guys talking on these topics and your unique perspective is awesome. I'm so glad we got a chance to hang a few weeks ago in New York and I just, you know, support the hell out of what you're doing, um, which is great. And I appreciate having me on. Uh, if you guys are interested in this shit, I have my own podcast. I do curse a lot. Not every episode is about insurance. And I do like to talk about politics when I'm feeling super froggy. Um, so if any of those things offend you, then it wouldn't be a good show for you. But if you like it, you can go to ryanhanley.com or just go to iTunes, search the Ryan Hanley show. Um, I did just have an episode with a woman by, her name is Carol Roth. If you go back and you search that episode, I think it's one of the most important episodes I've ever done because it's breaking. The title of the episode is what the fuck is going on with the economy? Um, and she's like this, she's really smart on this stuff. So that was really cool. Uh, and then if you're interested in the peak performance stuff, the physical, relational, and, and mental health side of putting yourself in a position to be successful, go to findingpeak.com. Um, I do some some deep dives on insurance nerdy shit too, but it's mostly um, those topics, and you can check those out. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your kind words about the show and uh, appreciate you taking the time to join us. Everybody, that's another episode of the Scratch Agency Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Do us a favor, like the show, share the show, and subscribe. Most importantly, remember to dig down deep, believe in yourself, and own your own future. We'll see you next week. Take care.